This is JFM Podcast. Good to know you are still with us. I've started off uh, bright and early with so much energy and so much uh, sunshine in the studio of Joss. Uh, it's uh, the Lester segment of the Money Belts on J101.9 FM. And believe me, uh, it's a good time to discuss everything politics as it relates uh, to Nigeria and most especially our own plateau state. Last week, Saturday, uh, the unfortunate event that happened at the uh, Rukubarud Axis of of, uh, the state led to a total lockdown in one local government that's specifically just north and you know 6 p.m to 6 a.m lockdown in Ibasa and just south but you know, after so much review uh, security uh, meetings here and there from the security operatives the commissioner of police and plateau state uh, even the inspector general of police are to weigh in sending uh, more enforcement and uh, the wisdom of the executive governor of the state right honorable simon abaku along uh, decided to relax the curfew in just north and um, uh, you know gradually uh, the state seems to be picking up uh, in as much as uh, you know you look at the people still mourning uh, the psychological effect of losing your loved ones uh, sometimes unprovoked the killings that are still going on reportedly uh, you know we just feel we can continue to discuss this conversation and it's centered on security ultimately peace like I said this morning as you cannot develop in an atmosphere of violence. I mean, you can't also give what you don't have. So you need to find peace within yourself uh, before you even preach peace to the society. Uh, this is Let's Talk, and we're going to be having a very frank and street conversation uh, with one of the most sought-after personalities in this country when it comes to security, when it comes to human capacity development, when it comes to nation-building, when it comes to mentorship, and ultimately, when it comes to leading people on the part of well, religion sentiment in this case now. Uh, you can go on our Facebook page. Our post is there already. The comments are pouring in in their numbers. Uh, of course, we'll open our phone lines on the turn of uh, 9.30 so that you can contribute on the show today. Uh, we shall be discussing politics uh, in, well, maybe a more concerned way now, which is security, which everyone says. I remember the last time my guest was here. Uh, he talked about the fact that security is not everybody's business, that some people are trained, uh, you know, to secure the lives of uh, everyone. Well, the security agencies you want to make reference to in this case. On our Facebook, the post is there. As the security challenges across Nigeria rages on, more than ever, how much work needs to be done, uh, both at the federal and the state level? And my guest this morning is no other person, but distinguished gentleman, Reverend Dr. I mean, why is he that, Dara? Thank you very much for joining us today, sir. Great to be here this morning. It's always a pleasure. Thank you, sir. Good morning, and I must, listeners. I must admit, just like fine wine, <laughs> you keep aging and you keep looking good every day. <laughs> well, that's how life is. Maybe you need to share the secret with some of us. Just trust Jesus. Hmm. <laughs> okay, let's go straight up into the conversation. Well, before last week's Saturday, I mean, previous Saturday now, uh, there had been reported cases of killings there are there in Dong and uh, Jabumia, 
angle in Basa across that particular axis. Mm. But on Saturday morning, I mean, the news broke of the attack in Rukubaro that led to, reportedly led to the death of about 22 uh, Muslims traveling on that axis. Whatever mm. the narrative was, maybe we shouldn't open those fresh wounds. But the thing is, this human life was lost. Mm. And it led to national outcry. Mm. Specifically, the attention of the world was focused on the plateau yet again for the wrong reasons. You've been at the forefront of administering and preaching peace on the plateau in Nigeria, mm. even at the continent. Mm. That setback for plateau state, how much did we go back? It looks like we take a step forward and a lot of steps backward. Lead us into this conversation this morning. Well, basically, you will discover that our government does not seem to be learning from history. And so the people do not also seem to be learning from history. They say the far back you look, the far forward you go. And those who do not learn from history are condemned to repeating the same errors and sins and mistakes. This is the major problem I see happening on the plateau. The present government has succeeded in trying to maintain some level of peace. However, they have fumbled in many areas. Number one, they have fumbled in the areas of creating equal justice for all sectors of the society. So people have the feelings of injustice, feelings of discrimination, feelings of exclusion. How? You take, for instance, right from 2010, killings have been happening in Miango, for instance. Houses burnt, hundreds of people killed in Miango, villages burned down. And, and, and till date, it, we have not really heard about anything strategic done for that community. And so the people felt really offended when the incident on Rukuba Road, regrettable as it was, uh, because nobody would encourage the killing of anybody, whether it is religious or ethnic or, or political, whatever it is. Life is sacrosanct. Do not take it. So we do not condone the killing of the people, you know, innocent travelers, people who have nothing to do with what has been happening on ground. However, the reality is that if government had reacted correctly to all the things that have happened in Dong, all the things that have happened in Miango, all the villages that were burnt, if government learned from history to go back and rebuild these people's uh, houses quickly, restore them back to their houses, then the flow over of the venom we saw on Rukuba Road would not have taken place. So it is because we are not learning that things continue to escalate. They de-escalate, then we, we let the chain loose, and then things re-escalate again. And so government has failed the people in that area. Then secondly, there are feelings of neglect feelings of disregard and abandonment by many indigenous communities on the plateau. And this is continuous. They just don't feel heard. They don't feel like the government in place is hearing them. They cry out through their elected representatives. It does not seem government is hearing them. And because of this, Things just keep going on. And of course, you know, there are a lot of inattention that you will see, a lot of insensitivity in the way government does its things. And um, 
And uh, if you look at the uh, the way government structures its favor on some particular sections of the society, you will understand that people are, are, are should be understood with when they become reactive. Okay, uh, let me take you back a little bit. Uh, you made mention of, uh, you know, discrimination and uh, people not having equal justice. And it's, it's in general public that uh, there can be peace in an atmosphere where there is injustice. Now, in all of this event that had happened over time, how much do you think the government has failed in bringing, one, the corporates to book mm -hmm. uh, beyond just reading statements from the government and promises of justice? Mm -hmm. Secondly, People need to be attended psychologically. How much of this uh, do you think is playing out with what we're having on the plateau at the moment? Well, first of all, let's say peace by all means is no peace. You know? And that's why when you bring soldiers to enforce peace, it, it does not really settle things because justice is number one. And then peace that makes one side happy while the other side is depressed, oppressed, frustrated, and they are still told to be patient and forbear and keep quiet. It's not peace. That is slavery. Because you are giving one side what they want and the other side is uh, neglected. And you are telling them, please be patient. You know, let's go for peace. That is no peace. That is slavery. Peace must be equal. What you require of me must be required of my counterpart for us to have peace. Because if I see that you are giving this side what they want and neglecting me, definitely that set of injustice will create further violence, further insecurity. However, I am impressed. Oh, I was impressed to hear that the security uh, agencies were able to arrest the people who killed a very young Unijor student uh, in uh, the filling station and uh, videoed his killing and put it on social media. I am, I am made to know that some of the people who were involved in that killing have been arrested. Now, if government would really want people to become contented with their action and uh, reduce the degree of culpability that the people hold the government because public opinion is very important. I can give you a gamut of governments that have been removed because of public opinion all over the world. And as it is today, public opinion on Plateau State government and the federal government is not, is not praiseworthy. However, I would suggest to government that they must make sure that these people who have been arrested, who, who killed this young man, be tried publicly. The media should follow this case, case up. Make sure that the trials are kept before the people and that people see and watch how these trials are carried out for the purpose of deterrence. Most trials are done in secret. And so those who do these things do not know what happens to those who are caught who have done these things that have happened. And these people should not be taken to Abuja. They should be tried in jaws where this crime was committed. In the same way, if the people who killed the people on Rukuba Road are known and are arrested, they should also be tried publicly. So that because 
you don't kill a Muslim and think that you have you have done God some good because a Muslim today could become a Christian tomorrow if you are a Christian, and and nobody knows vice versa. So killing anybody does not increase your religion, but it decreases humanity. It debases the respect we have for life, and it even debases the respect that we give to God because if you do not respect the life that is before you, how do we know that you respect? and honor the God who made that life. I've said before in this program, if God wanted everybody in Nigeria, and of course, to be of one religious setting, he would settle it in one minute. He does not need anybody's help. But if the God of heaven who owns everything and every human being has allowed us to coexist as Muslims and Christians and even animists in this country, nobody should try to finish it for God because God didn't send anybody on that mission. And so government has to take action, not just say words, hold meetings and tell people that they should, uh, they should work for peace. Government must show by their activities, by their events, by their commitments that they are actually for peace and by the justice they give people that they are actually for peace. When people see this, believe me, Okoyemi, Plateau State is going to be at peace. Okay, uh, let's take uh, a step away from Plateau State. Let's let's discuss national politics. I uh, will definitely come back. I just decided to follow the regular order. <laughs> a charity begins at home so yes. that we can set the template right. Correct. And now, uh, there's been you know series of conversation as regards uh, uh, the anti-open grace laws as mm-hmm. some states, uh, uh, the southern states, the governors came together a couple of months back and they gave approval for the ban of open grazing in their states. Mm-hmm. But there had been counter-reaction to that. And just yesterday, uh, Mr. Fermi Fallon, a senior advocate of Nigeria, was on national TV mm-hmm. and was commenting uh, on the reported amount of money that the federal government approved from the takeoff of the uh, you know, national anti-grazing policy in Katsina states. Now, it looks like we're resorting to self-help and personal decision across political, across religion and cliff. Where is this likely going to lead us to? Of course, it's the same issues of injustice at the national level playing out again. Government giving itself to a particular group of people while neglecting the interest of other people. And uh, states that have already enacted the law As far as our constitution is concerned, the governor is the chief security officer of his state. He knows what what his state needs, and he knows what will give security to the state. If the federal government insists on doing things that would be anti-state stance, what it will be encouraging is more conflict. And then it will be empowering the local actors, local violent actors, those who are for and those who are against, because the herdsmen will feel emboldened to continue to do what they are doing, I promise you this, that if it is not a full animal in the head of government in 2023, the, the reaction and the activities of the Fulani herdsmen will automatically go down. Write it down. You'll see this. But if another Fulani man comes into power in 2023, we are in for a long wait to get over this problem. So government continues to give the Fulani herdsmen the signal that they are continually for them. Buhari came into power uh, hoping and 
promising us to be a detribalized person. But so far, it's not so. Believe me, most of the people heading parastatals and federal government agencies, you can point Fulani people at, as the majority tribe in power. And you know where it is coming from because there's a Fulani man in power. And, and that does not encourage the other communities to live in peace. Because when you feel frustrated, you feel oppressed, you feel downpressed. Uh, 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 the, the next thing you begin to do is to agitate. Because frustration leads to agitation. And when agitations take place, then there is confrontation. When confrontation takes place, you call it insecurity in the country. Mm. So uh, it's more like, uh, you know, a trickling effect. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, let's go back again. Uh, you made mention of the fact that, uh, you know, uh, the composition of the government, mm -hmm. especially in the appointment of uh, President Muhammad Ubar over time, mm -hmm. there's been issues, concerns being raised about nepotism, Correct. about most of the key offices belonging to one particular people. Correct. Now, we talk about integration. We talk about national development. We talk about giving everybody equal rights, all in the name of federal character. Mm -hmm. Are we still in line with this school of thought, if it exists at all? <laughs> this government has, the federal government of, the present federal government has made a nonsense of federal character because it's inexistent. It's not happening. Where is it happening? Where, where would you see, believe me, if you are going to list out uh, operators of federal government agencies, federal government sensitive organs, you will be surprised. Next time you are watching TV and they are talking about a federal government organization, open your eye and open your ears and see and listen to who the name of the leader is going to be. Believe me, it will shock you. I am a researcher. I'm a security, conflict and intelligence researcher. I do that all over Nigeria on a weekly basis. I collect data and I collect information. And the information reaching us is not beautiful. Yoruba people feel uh, uh, neglected. Yes, there's a Yoruba, Yoruba vice president. What else? Igbo people feel neglected. Middle Belters feel neglected. The Hausa people feel neglected. So who is this government for? What federal character is it pursuing? When all of these things are lined up, and people begin to react because they do not have their own people there to present their voice. So they do not feel heard. They feel that this government excludes them. And when you exclude people from the dining table, you will hear a lot of noise by the side. Okay, uh, before we also come back to Plateau State, I'm just building up. Uh, let's mm -hmm. talk international politics. Mm -hmm. uh, in the last one month, uh, the attention of the world has been focused on what is happening in Afghanistan, <laughs> and uh, gradually the, the Taliban keep approaching till they took over uh, the country as a whole. And I obviously... Uh, led to international outcry. The United States, the United States government moved the soldiers out, mm -hmm. and they had to send back in. Now, last weekend, President Mahmoud Bari came out to raise concerns on how uh, that particular, you know, action in uh, in Afghanistan could affect or perhaps motivate, uh, you know, mm -hmm. the the local fighters that we have in terms of the, uh, you know, the bandits, Boko Haram, and all of that. A lot of us see international policy as something that is distanced from us. But how much in the situation that we have right now, 13 years 
of consistent attack by Boko Haram in this country. Thousands of lives have been lost. Thousands, billions of properties have been destroyed. How much should we be worried about what is going on in Afghanistan, in Nigeria, or perhaps at the West African region? Looking at how, you know, from Nigeria to Chad to Cameroon to Nigeria Republic, how much worried should we be? Anybody who thinks that Nigeria can be divorced from the insecurity in Afghanistan, Pakistan, and the rest of the world. It must be a joker. Because when Al-Qaeda was on board, when Bin Laden was on board, Bin Laden was known to have been supporting the, um, the groups that built up to what we have today as Boko Haram in Nigeria. So Al-Qaeda supported Boko Haram in Nigeria. And by the way, a lot of your Boko Haram fighters were trained, their root commanders were trained in places like Afghanistan and Pakistan. And so what's happening in Pakistan will directly affect the banditry, the terrorism, the herdsmen movements that are happening in Nigeria. However, we need to understand that the herdsmen movement in Nigeria actually was, is a copy from what happened in Central African Republic. Jacovia, who was a Fulani man, leader of less than 3% of the population of Central African Republic, because that was the number of people in Central Africa, the Muslims, I'm sorry, Fulanis in the Central African Republic. And, and, and he, he mobilized the Fulani people, armed them from Al-Qaeda. They took over power in uh, Central African Republic. He, 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 any, any listener who is versed with uh, African uh, uh, security situation will know this story. And, and they took over power little by little. And the same thing that is happening here in Nigeria, make sure that the whole security apparatus is in the hand of a particular tribe. Then retire people who are of other ethnic groups, generals from other ethnic groups, retire people from a different religion. And the Fulani movement in Central African Republic, which is repeating itself in Nigeria, really does not respect Islam or Christianity. However, the only place where it respects Christianity is where it sees Christians from other ethnic groups as people that must be avoided, people that must be excluded. And so it retires them and, and puts them out of place so that they can build a majority population in the security apparatus of the country. So even if this Fulani leader gets out of power, there will be enough Fulani soldiers to do anything that they want in the future. But you know, these things play out differently because God is in heaven and I'm also a pastor <laughs> as well as a researcher. God has his part to play and, and God has his way of fixing these problems. But as it is today, we must raise our voices to the injustice going on, to the nepotism going on, to the oppression and the suppression and the uh, uh, intimidation that are happening, whether it is in the security forces, in the police force, and, and you look at it. Since Buhari came to power, in the reign of uh, Good Luck Jonathan and Obasanjo, there are many Muslims who were IGs. But in Buhari's regime, which IG was a Christian? Let's name one of them. 
So will, will he tell us that he's not intentional in these things? And all of these things have their way of feeding into the problems that are happening. Now, going back to Afghanistan, you will see that the uh, takeover of government by the Taliban in Afghanistan was a stage-managed thing. And that is what is repeating itself in our country. Believe me, Boko Haram, banditry, headsmen, they are a formation of these political gladiators. From intelligence reports, the people that were swept out of power in Afghanistan in the last election colluded with Pakistan, the government of Pakistan, and the Taliban to take over power the way they did. Did it not surprise you? America trained almost 300,000 well-armed Afghanistan soldiers. Where did they go? There was a collusion. They just disappeared. And the president had to, had to escape because it was stage-managed to allow the Taliban's come into power. And, and did you see them doing meetings, Taliban's doing meetings with... Uh, you, if you've been watching the news, you would have noticed that the Taliban's uh, yesterday and the day before had meetings with the previous uh, president of Afghanistan, which means that Hey, why are they not negotiating with Ashraf Ghani, who just left? Why are they negotiating with the past president? There was a stage arrangement where the forces slept and these people came into power. God help us if the same thing happens here. Because Boko Haram is a child of politicians. They could sedate our forces and allow... This thing may look very far-fetched. You know, somebody listening to us right now, from your commentary and what I'm saying, they will say, no, no, these things are just very far-fetched. Believe me, it was far-fetched in Central African Republic that a Fulani man would become president. But he became president. How was he removed from power? Youths were the ones that rose up in violent riots. And with their machetes and their den guns, chased presidential guards who were carrying computerized AK-47s. With the help of God Almighty, <laughs> they were able to get rid of Jacobia. And then the, the indigenous population came back to power. We should not wait for that to happen in Nigeria. And I'm saying this again, like I've said before, if Politicians will not deliver us from the oppression and depression we are suffering right now. Then the people must rise up for themselves. I've also said it in our programs before. I don't support any military regime again in government. But I know that people have right to govern themselves. The federal government and their different state governments must listen to public opinion. Public opinion says we are hungry, we are frustrated, we are damaged. And government should never daydream and, and, and sweet talk itself that security is improving because it is not. Things are getting worse and they will get worse until somebody does something intentional to stem 
name the root causes of these problems. Okay, now uh, let's talk about intelligence gathering. Uh, mm -hmm. It looks like the operation of the military is more of intelligence uh, build up, and of course actions taking place. But you know, uh, can you can you just give a little appraisal of how the intelligence gathering community in Nigeria has functioned or malfunctioned in the last few years? Because I mean, you look at the uh, you know the coordinated uh, you know attacks, especially in the northeast. Uh, just recently, I lost a very close cousin of mine, um, a, a, a military guy, and he was shot. And when we spoke to them, they told them that there was a, a warning that they were coming to attack the base camp. Mm. And it eventually took place. A series of events like this had happened over time. Where did we go wrong? Or where are we going wrong with intelligence gathering in this country? <laughs> Believe me, if it has to do with bandits, kidnapping, and stuff like that, you, you don't even need to organize yourself uh, in intelligence gathering because the reality is that before these people attack you, they will give you notice. Take, for instance, the uh, uh, Baptist uh, uh, kidnap in uh, Kaduna. They sent notice. They said, we are coming. We are going to kidnap your children. Right? But nobody did anything. They were, we were told that we will kidnap your children. Well, government told the schools to go on holiday, on forced vacation. However, the principal of that school would not listen. But there was warning. Take, for instance, the just situation. The bandits had already told us in just that they have brought in Boko Haram trained kidnappers and that they are going to kidnap Unijos students from their hostels. And so the immediate counsel then to government was make sure you evacuate the hostels. Evacuate Plateau Polytechnic Hostel, Unijos Hostel, Bocos University Hostel. Evacuate all of them. Wherever you have students living together in large population, scatter them so that they, they, they do not have easy access to people that they can kidnap. So I'm saying when it comes to kidnapping, believe me, most of, most of it is open intelligence. It's there. They tell you. But because the government has behaved in a callous way, they have ignored those warnings. And the reality is that we have also not prepared ourselves with early warning apparatuses and, and, and mechanisms. Uh, we, we have continually advised government, create an early warning system. That early warning system will collect the intelligence that will support the work that the military, support the work that the police, support the work that all these other agencies are doing. Believe me, most of the intelligence failures that we have had in Nigeria have probably been intentional. Because there are people who collude in the army, collude in the police, who are paid to make sure that they suppress any information that is received concerning attacks and concerning the whereabouts of bandits, the whereabouts of Boko Haram, the whereabouts of kidnappers. The reality is that go to the kidnappers, for instance. Government knows where they are. Gumi has told them where they are. What other intelligence do they need? So why have they not gone to pick these people? And if they say they do not know, Gumi knows, carry him, he points the places to you, pick the people up. So there's collusion. One of my disciples was transferred from somewhere in the south to, to, uh, to the north. And when they arrived 
that spot, they arrested some some uh, uh, bandits and kidnappers. One of them told told their CEO, "Say you're wasting your time." He said, "You think we're doing this alone?" He said, "Your government is in this, and if your government is not in it, we're wasting our time. Your government is in it." He said, "Every time we kidnap people, we pay the senator from that area." We pay the member of the House of Rep from that area. We pay the DPO. We pay the chief of that, the Emir of that town, or the village head of that village. Wherever we take the people, we pay them dues. So the monies we ask people to pay us are set on the basis of the sharing formula for all these people. He said, so you cannot tell me that uh, we are illegal because we are supporting your government. Their officers are supported by, by us. Their politicians are supported. Their programs are supported by us. So we cannot be illegal. It's just an industry. We're, do, we're just business people like any other businessman. So it is an industry of uh, banditry, industry of uh, uh, violent headsmen, industry of Boko Haram. Okay. God help us. God help us. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, in case you're just joining us, uh, we've been on, uh, on less talk segment of J101.9 FM and I've been discussing with a distinguished uh, gentleman uh, Reverend uh, Dr. Miwazi Dandara. I've been looking at you know the security challenges that we have in this country. Streamed down uh, to plateau states. Uh, issues of the curfew, uh, the unfortunate killing at Rukuba Road. Uh, sometimes uh, a few days back. Let me put it in that way. Uh, we've talked about all of these challenges. We'll open the phone lines very soon. But before we do that, mm -hmm. I want to ask you this fundamental question. Come back to plateau state uh, beyond giving statements uh, mm -hmm. saying you know perpetrators we brought to book mm -hmm. uh, beyond setting up committee or paying condolence visit Correct. beyond the curfew what should be the priority of plateau state government right now if there's any peace at all mm -hmm. for such peace to be sustained if there's no peace for peace to be achieved number one governor lalong must go to the streets and stop sitting in government house or rushing out when there are emergencies. He must go to the street and do town hall meetings in Miango, town hall meetings in Dong, town hall meetings in affected zones, flashpoint zones of the state. What will these town hall meetings do for him? They will take away the negative public opinion people hold about him, that he does not care about them. In fact, in one instance, they said that when the Miango people went to talk with him, as he was talking with them, uh, he left them and went to his room to sleep. What, what a callous thing to do to people who have just lost relatives, lost their villages, lost their foodstuff that, that would feed me and you when they bring the food to the market. And the governor should be so concerned that that thing should have taken him out to Miango, taken him out to Dong, taken him out. He, he has not gone to these places, to my mind. <clears throat> he needs to do town hall meetings with them if he's going to appease these people. Number two, uh, government agencies that are uh, concerned with uh, keeping security should stop showing favoritism. We, we, are made, we are made to feel like the present GOC, who is doubling also as, as the, the STF commander, STF commander is very partial. That's the feeling of the people. They feel he is on one side. 
because when when they were shooting in dong he gave he gave the soldiers instruction not to shoot and he said it himself somewhere you know uh, so the people feel he is partial government needs to do something plateau state government need to do something about that because the security of plateau state is in the hand of uh, governor lalong if governor lalong uh, sends an objection to the federal government we are not satisfied with our stf commander we need this thing to be reviewed federal government will have to review it because he is the number one citizen of plateau state so the agencies the security agencies must learn to come quickly Plateau people seem to trust the uh, 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 Mopol better than they trust the army, better than they trust the regular police. Because the Mopol do not seem to take sides. When they come, they, they want to make sure that there is peacekeeping. You know, there's keep peacekeeping, there's peace building. All right. So they come to keep the peace, to make sure they separate the, the, the warring sites and, and make sure that they stand in between impartially. That's why Plateau people seem to prefer the Mopol. Take for instance, what was happening in Miango, the last one that happened. The GOC was quickly informed, but there was no action. Police commissioner was informed, there was no action. They stayed mute until they finished. And so when the Rukowaro something happened, people were just angry. We called you when ours was happening. You did not react. And now this one happened. It was happening and reaction was taking place immediately. Oh my goodness. Okay. 09055 or 09098848848. In case you're just joining us, it's been a very deep conversation. Like I said, I mean, when you know the quality of your guests, then you should know how the conversation would go. I've been speaking with uh, Reverend Dr. Mewazi Dandara. I've been looking at issues at the borders around the security across the country. And now it's time to join us on the conversation. 090988. 48848 or 0909556666699. The lines are open and you can go on our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash Jeff M. Joss. I'm seeing these messages already, but I like to take some quick calls and then we we'll set the conversation rolling once again. Hello, good morning. Hello, good morning. Good morning, how are you? I'm very fine. Your name and where are you calling from? I'm calling from Barikilagi. My name is Adam Awal. Okay, go ahead. You see, I'm I'm very much concerned on uh, what uh, the discuss the discussion is uh, talking about. It's not very good for you to be talking directly to a very high personnel like that. It's unfair. If he's going to give advice, let him give advice, but not directly, direct speech to somebody, to, 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 to a person. Hello? Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, that's all. Okay, uh, thank you very much. Uh, hello, good morning. Okay, I got to a bit late. Uh, 09055 or 0909884884. Hello, good morning. Good morning, I'm your guest. Uh, good morning, thank you. Thank you so very much for having me. This is Comrade Marambulus Mandiu calling you from Dako in Bogos. Okay, you're welcome. Go straight to the point. I think you, your guest knows he upset it all. We should not shine away. That's why, you see, people like uh, uh, Bishop you know, Matthew. <laughs> in fact, I, I love you know, that man. 
and we need more of them. There's no need of shying away. We know the people that are doing this, and we are keeping quiet. We should not talk directly to them. When this thing happened in, 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 in Rukuba, Rukuba is a cosmos, but they just quickly what, accused a particular tribe of doing this. A lot of people, we are not killers, we don't kill people. But all the skinnishes here on the plateau, we know the people that are doing it. Please, we should call it fair as fair. The people that are perpetrating this evil, to us, we know them. The arrests that have been made with one flanny who is coming with, with heavily armed with ammunition, coming to you know, heading down to Plato State. What is he coming here to do? And this is exactly what these people are doing. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you one thing that these people know they have been keeping, they have been doing over and over again. They normally come, you know, we, you know in the name of coming to preach. You know, you see them with last speaker. If, if you check their vitals, their vitals is full, you know, of what? With ammunition. I'm telling you this. They are actually what? At the checkpoint, they should what? Be very vigilant and they should check these kind of people who move around. In the name of you no know, going you no know, from place to place to preach. That is my own take. Have a nice time. Uh, thank morning. you very much uh, for joining us on the show today. Zero nine zero five five six 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 nine nine or zero nine zero nine eight eight uh four eight eight four eight. I've been speaking with a gentleman Reverend uh, Doctor Mewazi Dandara and we've been looking at security issues uh in Nigeria. Hello, good morning. Good morning. Hello, good morning. Thank you for joining us on the show. Your name and where are you calling from? I'm John Adam. I'm calling from... Okay, go ahead. Yes, I just want to say that uh, we, we must learn to say the truth as it is. This idea that we should not talk to those in high places and tell them the truth is what is killing us. When things happen, when our leaders fail... We should be we should be courageous enough to tell them they have failed. When the mass burial was going to take place in Niango, we would have expected that the governor should have been part of that to empathize with the people, to sympathize with the people of Niango. If he had done that, perhaps what happened to the travelers would not have happened. When it happened in Benue State, Governor Otom was there to empathize with his people. Why was why did the governor of Plateau State did not consider it necessary to be part of that barrier in order to empathize with the people of Nyango? Secondly, we want to ask, when things happen like this, we expect that our security officers and agencies should be able to do thorough investigation and tell us the truth. People have been asking the question, what happened that the people from Bauchi, the, the, who, the travelers who come from Bauchi, how comes that they pass through Niango, I mean Rukuba Road, when we know that they, the easiest way to go to, I mean, to from Bauchi to, to pass through and go to Ondo is Bauchi Ring Road? Why are people not asking this basic question? What happened? That, what led them to that place? And so we need to be able to tell ourselves the truth. Unless we speak the truth, we will, we will continue to have problems like this. We hide the truth when we know the truth. And when it happened, the president, when, 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 the, when the attack took place on the road, the president immediately sent Pantami to Bauchi to go and sympathize with the people. When it happened to Miango, why didn't he send police talent and other, and, and other federal government delegation to come and sympathize with the people in Miango? Why didn't he do that? 
This is a failure of leadership, and our leaders continue to fail. And that is what is killing us. Thank you very much. Hey, uh, thank you very much uh, for lending your voice to the conversation this morning. And let me quickly stop uh, by on Facebook uh, from Eric Iam. Uh, by the way, it's facebook.com forward slash Jeff M. Jones. Eric Iam on Facebook says, uh, any acts of killing done in the state should be punished. The government should not be selective in condemning and punishing the perpetrators. The rise in tension in the state was as a result of the government not being proactive. Secondly, we should improve on community police and if possible involve hunters for now shams as sudin says uh, this present administration has not done enough to protect the lives and properties of nigerians uh, the masses too are not helping matters because we are all supporting and shielding our criminals because of ethnic and religious sentiment uh uh, okay, uh, thank you very much uh, for that advice. JZ Waziri on Facebook says, It's unfortunate the times we find ourselves as a people. I call on the youth to rise and do the needful. We did it during the NSAS. Let's speak with one voice and stop causing this division. Albert Akaya Dagza on Facebook says, A government at all levels needs to be more proactive more than ever. Our security agencies need to take the issue of intelligence gathering and pass it to the appropriate authorities more seriously. In the end, no one person will be safe, including the payer of the piper. Good morning and God bless my country, Nigeria. God bless you too. Caleb Longo says, we just need an honest governor who knows his state and stand for it. Every other thing would follow suit with time. Straight to the point. Martins Ibi Usman says, it's quite an issue this morning. To be honest uh, with you, uh, you have been we have been selecting wrong leaders in this country. So why will our country our security challenges not get worse? The elected Mr. President thinking he was once a military general and thinking it would do well. But tribalism and nepotism never allowed him to work well. We have no solution for now. The only work needs to be done is to elect a visionary leader who has what it takes to bring about the change in the security sector. Hello, good morning. Hello, good morning. Hello? Okay, I guess I'll have to call, uh, you know, reach us back. It's 0905566699. Let me, let me come back to you. Uh, in the few conversation we've had with the listeners this morning it looks like the thoughts are very channeled to one direction a failure of leadership an inability of our leaders to be objective and straightforward in their decisions how much do you think we can sustain this the leading into the next election in this country which probably will be 2023 well let me respond to our who was unhappy that some people were mentioned the reality is that we have allowed leadership to do what it wants in this country and have failed to speak to power. It is necessary that Nigerians begin to learn how to speak to power. However, I did not blame anybody. I just said things that leaders need to do. Uh, and um, I also did not say any of those leaders I mentioned were culpable. I said that they were general public feelings that these leaders have not done what they ought to do. However, believe me, what is happening in, with IPOB, what is happening with uh, uh, um, what's the uh, uh, Yoruba Amotepe. version, no, the, no, the movement for uh, okay, the OPC. Uh, OPC. Uh, all of those things are 
building up towards a particular point. If you read the stories from other nations, like from Yugoslavia, for instance, they had the same agitations. Government was blind and dumb, and they kept plowing along the way they were plowing along. Where is Yugoslavia today? That name has died, except for some of us who were, who were you know, <laughs> probably old enough at that time. We still remember the name. It's still fresh in my mind like uh, yesterday, but it's gone. If we continue <clears throat> the way we are going today, believe me, it will not be news that Nigeria will not be no more. But I do believe in the indivisibility, <laughs> indivisibility of Nigeria, that Nigeria will remain one. What will happen is that Nigerians are going to rise, and they are going to chase these rogue politicians that have damaged our confidence and trust in each other away from power. Once they chase them out of power, they are going to bring in people that are going to rule to bring us back together. Because, you see, if you go and form Biafra, with this same crop of politicians, you will have the same problem that we're having in Nigeria today. If OPC also builds her own uh, Odudua Republic, this, with the same rogue politicians, believe me, the same problems you have in Nigeria today, you are only diminuting it and making the local gladiators more powerful and more firm in controlling those local areas. So there has to be an intentional change of thinking. There has to be some new creative uh, thinking that is injected into the system, and it is only young people that are going to bring that level of thinking. Because these professional, this crop of professional politicians have already become very entrenched in their ways. It's difficult to shift them because they have become used to their own parts. All right? And, and come down to Plato, for instance. We have continued to advise government that government should make compensations to people whose houses were burned, whose farms were cut down or were destroyed and their homes looted. Government has done nothing. If we continue like this, we're going to get higher versions of violence. We have also continued to advise government to start a formal... I like what is happening in Katsina State. Katsina State governor says he's starting a 3,000-man strong vigilante organization. He will recruit 500 per time. We have suggested this to the Plateau State Government in this program many times. Start a licensed vigilante body for the state. Support them. It will reduce unemployment, and then it will give us some organized direction towards resisting some of these things that will, will be happening. Consider, if we had a government-licensed, organized, supported, and sponsored vigilante in Miango, because it was a flashpoint. Where will these rogue killers come to burn down villages and loot the, the villages of their goods or cut down uh, uh, farms? Even though we heard that the people who cut down those, some of those farms in the Miango area were people from Rukuba Barracks, people from an ethnic uh, extraction, you know? And, and this was communicated to the GOC. What has he done about it? You tell me that I shouldn't mention officers. If a government official does not do right, he is being paid by our taxpayers' money. I pay taxes. And my taxes should be seen to be doing what I'm paying them to do in government. And so I should speak to that power, tell him what you're doing 
can be done better. And consider doing better. We are not condemning you. We are not bringing you down. We are just saying you can do better and you have not done what you ought to do. So Lalong should think very strongly about developing what the Katsina State Governor is trying to do in uh, Katsina State. While you, while you wrap up your thoughts, I will really press for time. Just, mm. just give us your final word uh, so that we can uh, you know, say our goodbyes. Well, Plateau State people must, you see, there are calls all over for everybody to defend himself, you know. So there's going to be self-help. And once self-help comes and how much, in... how much danger are we likely to be exposed uh, to when the issue of self-help comes in? Uh, you, you, you had said it on this platform before that yeah. security is not everybody's business. Yeah, it's, it's going to be chaotic. We'll be back to Banana Republic. The situation is going to, going to get to the point where every street you go... As you travel along the road, you are going to meet all kinds of people that you will need papers to release yourself from. And the earlier government takes proactive measures to make sure that these calls for self-help, then the calls for self-help are not, they are not wrong because government has not shown itself to be interested. Not that they are not capable. People keep saying that the security organizations have been overwhelmed. They have not been overwhelmed. Government has not shown the will to do what ought to be done because every time something came up that government showed the will to do what had to be done, we saw that there were results. And so there is enough capacity, there is enough competence in our police system, in our military system, in the other uh, paramilitary groups to do what ought to be done. But government has not shown the will to handle some of the root causes of the problems that are uh, motivating all the insecurity that we see today. So we are saying, give attention to the youth. Give attention to the uh, payment you give to the income you give to people, because where people are earning money and inflation is taking it away, and they are having to resort to banditry to make up for their families to meet basic human needs, you will continue to have problems. Give attention to uh, those out of school children because they become the hands and the foods that uh, bandits use to carry on kidnapping. Give attention to the condition of education so that we are able to occupy these young minds and keep them going going in school at their different levels and keep them away from being employed by politicians into toggery, employed by uh, politicians into all kinds of criminality that will support the politicians' political interests. If government is able to do these things conscientiously, carefully, and intentionally, believe me, the security situation in this country will change. Okay. Uh, let, me, let me quote what you said today. You said, peace by all means is no peace. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Distinguished gentleman, Reverend Dr. Mewazi Dandara, for joining us on the show today. I uh, will say a big thank you to you and a big thank you to everyone that had listened to us uh, this morning from 7 a.m. bright and early. I uh, will hope you set your day on that good path. Uh, but before we leave, uh, we must always send out a message of peace. In all of this conversation, peace is very vital. Respecting people's opinion, respecting people's uh, will to life, respecting people's choice of association, political affiliation is is one of the ways that we can be peaceful as a nation and as a people. Good morning once again. Uh, my name is Okpayemi. Okpayemi Akiande. God willing. Same time at 7 a.m. tomorrow morning. I'll be back. Bye for now.
Thank you for listening to JFM Podcast.